You're listening to an event from the U.S. Institute of Peace, part of the USIP Podcast Network. For more information about our work around the world, visit usip.org and check us out on social media. Hello, and welcome to the U.S. Institute of Peace for a conversation with the President of the National Assembly of Cote d'Ivoire, His Honorable President Adama Miktogu. I am Joseph Sani. I'm the Vice President at the U.S. Institute of Peace, and I'm, I lead the Africa Center. For those unfamiliar with the Institute, the U.S. Institute of Peace is an independent, nonpartisan organization based in Washington, D.C., and founded by Congress in 1984, and exclusively funded by Congress, the U.S. Congress, and US, other U.S. government uh, agencies. The Institute achieves its mission through training, research, and analysis, and support for peace processes and those working on the front lines of conflict around the world. As we all know, parliamentarians play a vital role in the success of democracies, and particularly in West Africa. Today's conversation will be focused around the important role parliamentarians play in the peace-building process and what specific opportunities lie ahead for partnership with the international community and countries such as Cote d'Ivoire to continue to build peace in the sub-region of West Africa. President Adama Bictogo was elected first as Vice President of the National Assembly of Côte d'Ivoire on April 14, 2021, and then was elected as the President of the National Assembly by almost the entirety of the House, both the opposition party and the party in power, in June 2022. He was also, among other positions, Minister of African Integration between 2011 and 2012. Cote d'Ivoire has achieved significant economic progress since the violent political crisis in 2010 and 2011, with the country being seen as a driver of growth in the region. This is thanks in part to the country's parliamentarians who have made significant contributions at the national level in the last decade. With Côte d'Ivoire now facing a surge in violence extremist groups infiltrating its own northern borders and those of the coastal West Africa region broadly, parliamentarians' expertise can once again play a major role in ensuring peace and stability. This conversation comes at an opportune time as Cote d'Ivoire has been selected by the Biden administration as one of the priority countries in the U.S. strategy to prevent conflict and promote stabilization. For those of you joining us in person and virtually around the world, please join the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag Parliamentarians and Peace. Please, welcome to the stage, Honorable President Adama Bictogo, President of the National Assembly of Cote d'Ivoire. Please, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you talk in French because we used to talk in French in my country. It's the language, official language, so I'm sorry for my American friend, but I, I talk in French. Ladies and gentlemen, guests, Mr. Vice President of the Institute, ambassadors, It is a great honor for me 
to be here in the country of Uncle Sam, a country that we admire. I would like to welcome this wonderful initiative and opportunity that you are offering to my country through the National Assembly of Cote d'Ivoire. We are so happy to be here with you and we share this vision uh, for our country and we share the vision with our president, Alassane Ouattara. We believe in the excellence of our parliamentary institutions. As you know, the relationship uh, between uh, our two countries goes back to uh, 1961 with the first president of our nation. And our relations remain excellent between the presidents Joe Biden and Alassane Ouattara. So we are here today in a context of good relations between Cote d'Ivoire and the United States. In this environment, we are here this morning to talk about parliamentary democracy, to share with you our experiences, our experiences in Cote d'Ivoire. Once more, I'd like to express all of my gratitude to you. And I will be ready to answer all questions that come up. There are no taboos today. Cote d'Ivoire is a country that wishes to strengthen its democracy. It relies on its citizenship and its sovereignty, but also on its openness, because no country can live when it is closed in on itself. And so for Cote d'Ivoire, openness is essential. And that is why we are here today in the United States within our partnership that falls into the excellent relationships between our heads of state. Mr. Vice President, if there are any questions, I am absolutely ready to answer them. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. I'd like to start with a question. Why are you here in the United States as president of Cote d'Ivoire's National Assembly? First of all, thank you. Thank you for having me and my delegation here in the United States. I am accompanied by the Vice President, Moise Kekudawe, Executive Secretary of the main opposition party, and a professor of cardiology. I'm also accompanied by the former Minister of Energy and Oil of Cote d'Ivoire, Mr. Thomas Kamara from the RHDP, which is the party in power. And I have other illustrious colleagues as well. Unfortunately, one of my colleagues was not feeling well and was not able to join us today. I hope he'll be able to catch up with us this evening. All of that is to say that our delegation that is here today represents all of the different orientations in our assembly. Concerning our presence here in the United States. It is related to parliamentary diplomacy. In Cote d'Ivoire, we believe that our institution has a role to play. First of all, we have a sense of accountability toward our people who have elected us. Now, Regarding the ways that different powers in our, uh, uh, interact, we see that parliamentary power is extremely important. And Africa 
Africa should not simply need to follow along with decisions of more powerful countries, and so our parliamentary diploma diplomacy needs to be a complementary diplomacy in order for us to be able to discuss with uh, discuss different issues with parliaments around the world, so that parliaments in other countries do not make decisions that are then imposed upon us. The United States is an old democracy. And the United States is a symbol of the strength of institutions. For those reasons, it makes sense for us to be here in the United States. We can learn from the experience of American institutions. And we also hope to strengthen our relationships between the United States and the Cote d'Ivoire, although the relationship is already excellent. But we want our institutions, our parliaments, to have a strong relationship, and that is why we are here today, to inject new energy into the parliamentary relationship between our countries. You talked about the diversity of your delegation, political diversity, and even diversity in terms of the roles played. I remember when you came into office as the president of uh, Cote d'Ivoire's National Assembly, you made sure to thank Alassane Ouattara, the president of the country, as well as uh, former president uh, Bagbo and uh, former president Bédier. What did that uh, symbolize for you? As you know, there's a certain gratitude that I feel. I had the chance before my election to serve as interim uh, uh, president of the National Assembly for my predecessor who was sick at the time. And during that time, I made a proposal to the different parliamentary groups. I suggested that we come up with a real parliamentary family because what unites us is Cote d'Ivoire, the interests of our people. It's true that in politics we may take different positions, but as soon as we become members of the institution, we must think of Cote d'Ivoire above all. And that means that we must forge a family. What I can say is that before I was elected, uh, before I was even interim president, the opposition was at the right, the party in power was on the left, and the two didn't communicate with each other. There was no communication between the two of them. So everyone came to the table with very fixed positions, and there was no discussion. And so there was no uh, sense of listening to one another, having a real dialogue. Those things, along with compromise, are values that do not go against the idea of having different ways of thinking. Rather, uh, compromise shows that different ways of thinking have come together. So I would like to commend the different political groups at the National Assembly who have shared with me their vision. During this entire time, we have tried to institute this sense of family. And when I was elected on June 7, 2022, it gave me the opportunity to uh, recognize the opposition because the president of uh, Cote d'Ivoire, who appointed me, might be the RHTP uh, uh, president, but mathematically, uh, our party was in the majority, so I could have thought, okay, that's sufficient. But it seemed important to me that we build this family together in the parliament. So I talked with the different parliamentary groups, and on the day of the election, what we expected was uh, that the opposition would participate even in a passive way. The vice president, Moise Kikawe, took the floor and read a text for the on behalf of the opposition, and at the request of Henri and uh, Laurent Bagbo, former president, asking them to vote for me. So for me, 
we, that represented a major advance because the fact that they read that text, that call to vote for me, had a huge impact. It expressed the shared desire to create this parliamentary family. It's a family that works as, uh, in the ways that we uh, came up with during this uh, election, compromise, discussion, agreements. We try, whenever possible, to always find that which is going to unite us and bring us together rather than divide us. For those uh, people who are following us online, Cote d'Ivoire is facing sub-regional instability. And there are terrorist attacks that have taken place. And there have been some coups in the sub-region. Today, what do you think uh, are the roots of uh, this instability in Cote d'Ivoire and in the sub-region? Before I address the matter of instability in Cote d'Ivoire, I think we have to go farther back in time. The deepest, oldest roots of instability in Africa come from electoral disputes. Those are the oldest causes. Ever since colonization and independence, it seems clear to me, I wasn't around then, but uh, I studied this. It seems clear to me that what would have been uh, better would have been to uh, come up with a structure for people to express themselves and to hand that kind of structure down from one generation to the next. When we gained our independence, uh, certain political figures were imposed, and they created, they uh, generated the roots of uh, this uh, revolt. And so there have been coups after coups in many countries in the subregion. These ancient roots of uh, the multiple coups became over time uh, community-based crises because a person leading the coup would belong to a specific uh, community and then another community would get up in arms, and so on and so forth. Then what happened next is that in certain countries, the crises came from poverty. There is also climate change, terrorism, which took advantage of this poverty, and which has uh, seen it as uh, ripe conditions for uh, terrorist acts. So what was clear was that young people didn't have enough access to jobs. 77% of Africans are young people in economic terms. If you look at a young population, you see that that's also a population of consumers, uh, consumers with the purchasing power. But when that population is poor, things change drastically. So the lack of uh, jobs for young people and uh, terrorism have created a uh, level of uh, destabilization that has only increased. Democratic challenges in certain countries have unfortunately led to military forces or civilians creating ripe conditions for coups. Therefore, in Cote d'Ivoire, we have tried to avoid these pitfalls by fighting against poverty, especially because our country, following the 2010 elections, our country went through a post-electoral crisis with 3,000 people who died. We have drawn the necessary conclusions from this and taken on the responsibility for this. And I would like to salute Alassane Ouattara uh, for 
all that the president has done, and also the president's, uh, rather the uh, opposition leader's willingness uh, to take on his full responsibility. And in 2021, we saw that all three major leaders really wanted to focus on Côte d'Ivoire. Now, we have a sense of responsibility in all of this as officials. I was executive director up until one year ago. In the assembly, we do have an advantage. Well, there's the executive president of, of different um, parties, the, the party of uh, Laurent Gbagbo. And so this becomes a, uh, the engine for social cohesion. We're creating this family, but I can also mention that we have this sense of responsibility and history has meant that we must have it. You talked about political instability and a, dem a democratic deficit. One of the causes is this question of term limits and the removal of term limits. In the subregion, we've seen a number of heads of state, though the Constitution limited uh, n the number of terms, decided to continue anyway. Removing this rule around the third or fourth term was made uh, legal by the Constitutional Council. And so there is this question of uh, legitimacy or legitimateness, rather. So what can you tell us about term limits and heads of state who decide to remove this limit? Here's what I can tell you. Term limits in and of themselves were voted upon by the different peoples. But each country has its own context, its own situation. Let's take the uh, question of uh, Germany. We had Angela Merkel who did three, who served for three terms and some people wanted her to serve four or five, but we don't really have the same situation. Today, each country in Africa needs to be able to look into the future and this relies on the voting of different laws. In Cote d'Ivoire, regarding the third term, I, I, I think you probably are indirectly talking about our country, but we had a constitution that was drafted in 2016. And we wanted Uh, in tw the uh, m uh, 5th of March, 2020, Alassane Ouattara announced that he would not run in the election that would be held in October 2020. So on uh, March 10th, the Prime Minister, Mr. Koulibaly, was designated. He was designated uh, before his party as being uh, the next candidate for the 2020 elections for the RHDP party. However, our colleague was taken from us just two months before the election. I was executive director at the time and we didn't have a choice. All I did was to 
take account of the state of mind in Cote d'Ivoire. And Cote d'Ivoire was on the point of implosion at that point. We thought that only two months from the elections, a different choice would have been deadly, not just for the party, but for the country. The president asked us to take time to reflect. And as executive director of the party, I took on the responsibility of leading the party because I believed that any other solution could undermine all of the uh, f fundamental underpinnings of Cote d'Ivoire. So in terms of changing the constitution, I think that when a constitution is voted upon, certain provisions need to be put in place in order to preserve the dignity of those who are leaving. There's something else that we have noticed often in Africa as compared to uh, developed countries. Former heads of state are treated with the dignity of the post that they occupied. But in Cote d'Ivoire today, whether this be President Bagbo or others, well, they are treated uh, as the laws require. In 2020, we lost one prime minister after another, two in a row. But legally, the Constitution allowed the president to be a candidate in the elections, legally. There are other interpretations, but legally, the president could run. And so that was the situation in terms of uh, other countries, Guinea, Burkina Faso. The facts speak for themselves. These are countries that have undergone coups, so there are indeed lessons that we can learn from their situations. And I agree with you. Constitutions must be the compasses that guide our countries. We have a strong, solid constitution. And as President Obama said when he visited Ghana, at a certain moment, institutions need to be stronger than people in Africa. And that is what we are working on in Cote d'Ivoire and what we have been working on since President Alassane Ouattara came to power. We've been working to strengthen, well, all of our institutions have been put into place, and um, we are working uh, uh, in, uh, while with res as we respect our, um, our texts, our laws. And then I will translate for the president. Yes. Mike, there are mics. Thank you very much for those insightful remarks. My name is Ann Witkowski. I'm the Assistant Secretary for the Bureau of Conflict and Stabilization Operations at the Department of State. My question to you is, uh, can you offer us some insight on your views with respect to, as was mentioned earlier, the US strategy to prevent conflict and promote stability, specifically our partnership with Cote d'Ivoire on this matter, uh, which focuses very much on some of the challenges that you've already discussed uh, around uh, concerns regarding instability in the region. So my question is two-part. Can you uh, express to us, unpack for us, 
how you see the necessary approach, the tools to addressing these challenges comprehensively from a national standpoint, one, and two, how you see opportunities for regional cooperation in this respect. Thank you. La question, c'est autour de la, 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 les États-Unis ont lancé moi la stratégie. The moderator is repeating the questions uh, in French. Si, pas que votre pays déploie ou les mécanismes pour pouvoir faire face aux questions d'insécurité dont vous avez parlé. Et la deuxième question, c'est le rôle de la coopération régionale dans la promotion de la stabilité dans cette région. Bien. Côte d'Ivoire, today, has gone over its budget, uh, specifically with regards to security. Today's budget Uh, shows that uh, growth has reached roughly 50%. But there are two different levels of security. There's uh, domestic security managed by the uh, uh, Ministry of the Interior. And that's the most important level of security for us, given that terrorism, as I was saying, is finding a home with the young unemployed people. So we need more police, more security agents, more intelligence. As people in communications uh, like to say, information guides action. If you have security but no good intelligence policy, you're going to fail. So intelligence is absolutely necessary. Investments, therefore, have been made in intelligence. Today, when you look at our capital city, Abidjan, you can see that there is a uh, policy to trace incidents when they occur, but that's not sufficient. The Ministry of uh, Defense along our borders has instituted a policy to protect our borders using drones, using high-performing uh, technology and other security measures. But we need to go even further. Given that Cote d'Ivoire is uh, surrounded in the desert by countries that are in fragile positions, when you look at Burkina Faso today, insecurity has gained ground and is now uh, an issue in roughly 70% of the uh, country in Ouagadougou and uh, several departments around Ouagadougou, it's not such an issue, but the rest of the country, yes. In Mali, you have Bamako, but the terrorists have uh, really taken over a lot of ground. In Cote d'Ivoire, therefore, given our economic success, our what we symbolize, we've become a target of these uh, terrorists. The sub-region needs a real armed force that will support each country's armed forces or armies. That means creating that army, training it, uh, and so on and so forth. All of that requires a lot of resources, and unfortunately, our countries do not have sufficient resources to do this. We need to build hospitals. We need to build schools, highways, roads. We don't have enough resources to meet all of our security needs. So it's all fine and well to support regional cooperation and sub-regional cooperation, but that needs to be in support of uh, the national armies that are at the front lines in this battle against terrorists. When I took office on, or, or rather when I arrived in uh, Cote d'Ivoire on April 3rd, 
I met with roughly 15 parliamentary presidents. There was the uh, president of the Burkina Bay uh, National Assembly. There was a representative from Mali, from other countries as well. And I spoke with them about the problems that they're facing. And what they were all saying is that today, terrorism comes from within their countries. If you take Burkina Faso, for instance, young people go out in the morning, they get money, and they come back at night. And if they provide intel on uh, certain houses, uh, they uh, there will be an attack, and uh, they take on and off their uh, army fatigues when it serves them. And we need to find a solution for this poverty that is affecting this uh, country and other countries in the sub-region. I just would like to follow up on what was said regarding this question. What are the solutions that you suggest? You're talking about uh, reinforcing the armed forces, but what about governance? What is needed in terms of governance? Because otherwise we might walk away with the impression that there's only uh, one solution to the security issue. No, uh, there are several different solutions. There's governance as well, of course. The people need to feel that even if the government has few resources, that the government is using those resources well. That is reassuring to the people. And they need to feel convinced that uh, their taxes are going to a good purpose. There's uh, the equitable distribution of wealth that is necessary. And there's also training. We need to take our educational policy in our countries and update them. I've had the chance to visit countries that are emerging countries. And in Africa, we need researchers. We need astronauts. But what is absolutely essential is training for our young people. They need to be trained to meet our needs so that they can be employable. With regards to the governance issue, we need to overhaul uh, education and focus more on professional training for young people. Our healthcare systems need to be overhauled as well so that we can serve needs on a local level. It's good to have big hospitals, but we need local community health centers that can offer uh, diagnostic services and keep tabs on the local population. President Alassane Ouattara has uh, instituted a policy of creating community health centers uh, in all the different villages. And that's true for the entire subregion. Regarding employment, what we need is for governments to withdraw from certain sectors to focus on security and education. That means we need to find private country companies rather that can handle certain uh, services for us. It's clear that the solution cannot be a security solution alone. Everything is interconnected, and uh, that's what we started doing by organizing uh, the creation of two to three uh, thousand new jobs in Cote d'Ivoire. But this process is a work in progress. Même si Even if our financial partners provide support, we still need visibility. We need transparent management of the aid that will be provided to us. Hello, and thank you to the Ivorian delegation for coming.
My name is Catherine Kelly from the Center of Strategic Studies uh, for Africa in Washington. Here's my question for you. What is your vision for the role of parliamentarians in the uh, management and supervision of security? Do you see a way of promoting collaborative uh, work between parliamentarians and other actors to fight against insecurity in order to guarantee citizen security. I'm asking you this question because in March we had the great honor of an, doing an exchange with four members of your assembly in our seminar, seminar in Accra. Thank you. We have a defense commission in Parliament, which is in contact with the Ministry of Defense and of uh, Homeland Security. As I was saying, the effectiveness of our security policy must be based on a policy that uh, allows the people to participate. And this participatory policy can only be put in place through the deputies. We hold information sessions with ourselves and the Ministry of, the De of Defense. And increasingly, we think that at the level of the police, we need to have community policing. The people must no longer fear the police. The police must be seen as a partner. Thus, the people can be a means of gathering intelligence. Sometimes, the people who place bombs might live right next to the victim of the bombing, right in the same neighborhood. So we need a community policing strategy. That is why it's so necessary to have uh, visibility on, uh, regarding security and defense policy. We need to have access to some information. Of course, we can't have access to all information. Regarding that point, we have a very close relationship with the Ministry of Defense. Furthermore, when there were the problems in Mali, the Ministry of Defense had received the our commission for defense to update us on the on uh, the situation of Ivorians detained in Mali. And we didn't need to make a lot of noise because there were already processes in place. So the parliament was involved. And all of that is to say that we have access to information because we have this sense of accountability toward our people. You've mentioned Burkina Faso and Mali, and of course, that's n not just random. They, these are countries that have undergone difficult and, and tragic uh, situations. And you've said that Cote d'Ivoire is an island in this tumultuous sea. What is the role of Cote d'Ivoire in resolving this situation of instability in those other countries? sub-regional institutions alone are not able to uh, find a solution. So what is the role of Ivorian leadership and what can parliamentarians do to resolve the situations in these other countries in the sub-region?
The situation of Burkina Faso and Mali, as you know, well, Cote d'Ivoire has a policy of openness. Nearly 26% uh, of uh, people in Cote d'Ivoire uh, come from other countries, and uh, Malians and Burkina Bays are um, among the most uh, numerous groups. And so when there is trouble in those countries, Cote d'Ivoire is very concerned. There are, uh, m there's migration, there are population movements, and Cote d'Ivoire welcomes a very high number of these migrants. So this can destabilize Ivorian society. What we must do and what we do in Parliament is this. We put uh, transition parliaments in place for these countries in transition. We wanted to uh, be uh, close to the President of the Republic to, well, because some sub-regional organizations had passed resolutions to prevent certain um, displacements. But we would agree that uh, the more we isolate these countries, the less likely we are to find a solution. We need to stay in contact and uh, maintain our relationships, not as a recognition of the people in power, but we need to maintain these relationships with these countries so that they can see that the world that they are in is not a world of coup d'etat. Our world is not one in which uh, problems can be resolved using illegitimate and illegal institutions. And I think that this will be successful. Mali is currently uh, going ahead with a referendum to adopt the new constitution. Guinea is doing something similar. I hope that Burkina Faso won't be far behind. In our conversations, We've uh, seen that they see that they have no other uh, alternative than to come back to uh, what's normal, and by that I mean elections and institutions. And so Cote d'Ivoire, as uh, the locomotive of the subregion, which is in constant contact with other heads of state, and uh, ECOWAS. Well, we are doing as much as we can. We are now arriving at the end. So what do you expect concretely from your visit to the United States? What do you expect from American officials? Can you say as concretely as possible what you expect from this visit? What we expect from the United States is greater involvement. Currently, Africa, following uh, close to 60 years of independence for many African countries, Africa is no longer uh, off limits. We've uh, reached a certain level of maturity and we're in a win-win situation when it comes to partnerships. That means we need greater involvement. Americans, given the development level of the country, well, Americans are essential to us in Africa. It's true that 
with the uh, Russian-Ukrainian war today, we're heading toward a new geopolitical order. Different blocks are being built, or groups. Inflation is running high, and each country needs uh, to handle its own domestic issues, but that's a real danger. Whether the threat is uh, COVID, the Russian-Ukrainian war, or the energy crisis, all of these uh, challenges require that we pull together our resources and come together to face them together. In Africa, and in Cote d'Ivoire in particular, we want to be a driver of uh, growth, uh, of different things. When it comes to the US and France, the UK, Germany, the EU, the US, we need our allies to come together in support of Africa because today, Africa is facing a certain number of challenges. At the same time, Africa is the continent of the future. But that future requires planning. If we don't plan for it, what seems to be an opportunity today, and economists talk about uh, Africa a lot, they say, Africa has the resources, the natural resources, has uh, the youth, etc. So there's a lot of opportunity, but the youth can equally be a threat. If the U.S., in terms of its involvement and support of Africa, helps uh, Africa focus on uh, professional training with digital tools, for example, because we are the continent with the, the greatest growth of the digital economy. But all of that needs to be planned for. It needs structure. The US has uh, the experience uh, that Africa needs to benefit from. So the US needs to see Africa as a partner, an opportunity, a pro, and not a con. We can't stay stuck in old cliches. Africa is not something uh, to be divided up or to be shared. It's a partner. It's a partner for the U.S. And I would say that's especially true of Cote d'Ivoire. Thank you so much, President. Oh, yes. Thank you for listening to this event. If you'd like to listen to more events or explore our other podcasts, visit usip.org forward slash podcasts. Thank you.